0: Acts chapter 4 verses 29 through 37 and now Lord look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all bold, with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus and when they had prayed the place in which they were gathered together was shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimonies to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And this is the word of the Lord.
1: Okay, we are ending the first uh, part of our act series. Uh, next week, what we're gonna do is we're gonna have a, a Thanksgiving uh, service. We call it We Give Thanks. And really, it's not where I preach, but where um, we have testimonies and we sing and pray from God's people. Um, so it's a special time. It'll kind of be unplugged a little bit. We're gonna uh, make the chairs go around in a circle. So it'll be a little different format, but it, it's, it's, it'll be a special time for sure. Um, this is kind of a... A SoCal story, uh, when I was growing up, a, a couple of my brother's friends, um, Richard Wolcott and Tucker Hall, um, they, they, they thought it would be really cool in a very SoCal way to start a surfwear um, snowboarding skate company. And so they called it Stone uh, Surfwear. And uh, funny enough, that turned into Volcom. Success story, right? So there was another group of friends that kind of saw the success, they were not nearly the businessmen that <laughs> Richard and Tucker were, um, and they said, how hard can it be, we're going to start our own surf fashion wear company. And so um, they got over the proverbial metaphorical kitchen table and um, they were brainstorming about a name for their new um, uh, surf company. So um, these, these, these guys just thought of like, life's greatest pursuits. And they're like, that's the name. That's the name of our surfware company. We're calling it SMP Surf, Sex, Money, Power. So if you don't believe in the existence of God, those are some pretty awesome pursuits. Like if, if life ends, it's humanistic, it's rationalistic, there's no, no, no afterlife. That's not, a bad, that's not a bad trio, okay? Um, they were not very good businessmen, like I said, and it sort of crashed and burned. Um, I have something else that I want to talk about today, and um, it's not just the existence of God, but the presence of his spirit. And it does something so unique here that in Acts is that people actually change their mind about their stuff and their possessions and their cash. So this is the new SMP. I'm going to call it Spirit Money Power because all of those things are going to intersect and inform each other by the presence of God. I've got no t-shirts for you, but I've got this for you. So here in our text, we're actually on the tail end of this. We, we covered uh, uh, the first part from, from the weeks before, but um, let me just recap, is they had been preaching about the death and resurrection of Jesus, um, and so the, the leaders in Jerusalem, the religious leaders, they did not like that. They actually arrested them, and what they did is when, like, when they got them out of jail, Uh, They they threaten them, and they're like, don't you dare say anything, otherwise we're either gonna beat you or throw you back in jail. Let this be a warning to you, okay? So our text um, here this afternoon is, um, we get the tail, they went back to their their place, and they're praying, and we get the tail end of that prayer. That's our text for today. Um, And then after they prayed, our text says that the Spirit was there, like in a very obvious way. We're going to touch on that. And then because the Spirit was there, they actually threw away caution and disregarded the cautions and the threats and wouldn't shut up about the resurrection after that. They wouldn't shut up. And then, this is what our text, and then they started selling stuff and giving away money, not in small amounts, but in pretty big amounts. Uh, So... Very simply, this is going to be how Christianity touches and changes our attitudes about money. And there's the simplicity of it. And and this is the case I'm going to make for you from the text. This is not going to be my opinion. Is that um, a, a moving, real, powerful, spiritual experience immediately will have impact on how you view and use your resources. It's pretty simple. So this is the shape. Uh, I'm going to just cover two things. It's going to be a little brief. Um, but I want to talk about that experiencing God part. And then the second part is I, w- I want to say, how, how does that experience change the way that we view our cash, properties, investments, securities, whatever it is? So let's, take, let's talk about experiencing God. And we sang it right before. Is um, it, The text tells us that the place was shaken. So this is uh, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shook. Can I say that? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So we're going to see this marker and this is all throughout the scriptures. Is that when God shows up in his not in his general presence, but when God shows up in his special intimate covenant presence. Things get shook. God does not get shook okay? Um, we, see this, we see this at um, uh, Sinai with Moses and the people. Um, it says the ground shook and the, the mountain itself did the shaking. That's what we see in Sinai. So I'm going to give you this over obvious conclusion, all right? Don't feel like it's super profound, but um, shaking and quaking is going to go down when big meets little, I told you it wasn't profound, but that's, that's the conclusion we're going to make, okay? Um, uh, when my daughter was uh, uh, just toddler, my oldest daughter was a toddler, um, we did all the, the buying of children's things. And one of the things we bought was um, this uh, 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 bedazzled plastic little pink stool. Um, and uh, we were playing one day on the floor, and... Um, and I sat on that little plastic bedazzled pink stool um, and behold, the stool could not handle my glory.
0: <laughs>
1: um, there was a shaking. Uh, now just for simul- similar that's, that's kind of funny, but for similarity, um, when God meets granite, the granite gets shook. Uh, this is what we're talking about, the greatness of God. Um, I, I love that, uh, it, it, I, I use this on a Christmas card one year. It's that passage from Isaiah 64, and it's this this plea from Isaiah. He says, oh, that you would rend the heavens. Oh, that you would tear the heavens and you would come down. Isn't that like a, a scream for the incarnation? And, and then Isaiah, it, this is gorgeous poetic thing, he says, I, Isaiah's just, please, Break into our existence, and may the mountains melt and just flow because they meet you. It's such a poetic view from Isaiah 64. So this is what we see here. Now, um, you might have just a little tiny red flag pushback here, and I, I don't know if you're going I don't know if you're a jaded, over-churched, under-churched Christian. I don't know what it is, but you could say, "Hey, um, I thought God is present everywhere, buddy." Okay, okay, um, I'm not gonna go into the illustration I used a few weeks ago, but, but, but this is the one I used. Is, um, and, and some of you will just remember it is, um, I can be in the room with my family playing a game and not be there. What, I have an awesome wife who says, hey, where are you, we're playing a game right? Do you remember that illustration I said? So my, my general presence is like, I'm here, I'm in the house. Hey, I love my family. And then my special covenant intimate presence is, I am, I am locked in, I'm with you and you know that I'm with you. So that's the best illustration I have. There's better ones, tell me afterwards, okay? So that's what we're talking about. Um, there is something different from his special covenant presence that we see throughout the scriptures and something that, about his general presence. So, um, I think it's helpful to understand it this way. Uh, The Spirit does something for us in His special presence, and that is this. A spiritual experience allows you to sense in your whole person what you already know in your mind. Let me explain that one. Um, I, I do have to admit, I was a very strange, odd, nerdy little kid. And um, the reason being is uh, my parents didn't put a TV in our household until I was in sixth grade. And um, so uh, uh, me and another sibling would take, it was a radio flyer red wagon, and we would trundle off to the local library, and we would get the maximum amount of books we could in that red wagon, and then trundle back home and just start reading them. I'm an odd nerdy kid, all right? Um, (laughs) The consequences of that is that I was a little boy with a ton of facts. I could tell you about the Grand Canyon, never saw it. Oh, I know all about it. I know how it's formed and shaped, and, and there are this many stratas with the. Uh, let me tell you about it, and there are different colors. Um, I can I tell you about it. I could tell you about Hawaii, because I mean, I was the kid who read the Encyclopedia Brit- Britannica. Hmm, that's interesting. Hmm. I told you odd kid, odd kid. Um, I, I, my parents read to me the C.S. Lewis books, and I was, is it Edmund with the Turkish Delight? Is it Edmund with, and I was, I was wondering, I was like, I could tell you what Turkish Delight was because my mom and I looked it up in an entry. What is Turkish Delight? Oh, it's this confection. Yes, and it's kind of jillian, but it's powdered sugar on the outside. I could tell you all about it. It's multicolored even. All right, let me just tell you something funny. Um, I didn't see the Grand Canyon until this year. <laughs> there is sort of a difference between knowing about it and seeing it, a little bit. Now, you could say, I don't buy it. <laughs> no, you know this. I didn't see Maui. I didn't see Hawaii until last year. It's a, yeah, you shouldn't read about it. Right, I had, I had Turkish light in my 30s. What took you so long? I, I, yeah, my mom, my mom brought it out to us like 10 years ago on a trip. And I, I was like... This is Turkish delight. Okay, um, let me just tell you this. The Holy Spirit is, 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 is the difference between you knowing something in your head and sensing it and knowing it with your person. Let me just tell you. Um, Things hit differently when when you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Um, It overwhelms your beauty tanks, and you're like, oh, like the pictures even, the pictures are dumb. Cameras are dumb. They can't, they don't I even, mean, they can't. Even if you Ansel Adams did it, like across your 16, like a 16-foot canvas on your wall behind the couch. Like, yeah, it doesn't get it. It doesn't get it. This is in our text. Um, ask, ask this question of the people there. Did the assembled group there, did they have any, did they have any more new information data, or did they have more in-depth Bible study? No. No. Were they struggling with belief? Were they not believing? Nope, nope, that wasn't the case. I'm going to just tell you, experience is crucial, and I'm going to tell you, it is absolutely vital for your Christian walk. Now, I have to add this parenthesis. Um it's not in opposition to intellectual knowing. Because isn't that, don't you see the tendency in churches? Oh, we're gonna emphasize the emotional and the experiential. Oh, we're not like that, we're gonna really emphasize the knowing. And when you walk into a place, you kind of get what brand they are. So let me just tell you this, it's not one or the other, it is both in the scriptures. Here it is. The Holy Spirit is the experience of God. Now, the rational and that theoretical abstract becomes sensed in the heart with the Holy Spirit. Let me give you an example of this. This is in Romans 8. And this is a sweet passage. It says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. Isn't that an interesting thing? Not necessarily that you're forgiven, that you're children of God. The Spirit is the experience of the truth. Now, I've said this one before. Listen, every single day, I can tell my kids, I'm just like, I am the father, you are the child. We are connected in a very, very technical, relational way. I am dad, you are child. It is true. I will not stop being your dad. You will not stop being my child. Okay, that is truth. But you know what? What? I don't think my kids struggle with the truth of that fact. What do they need? I've I've said this one before. They need me to grab them. No, dad, don't, don't, don't. And they need me to put my scruff in their neck. See, one is truth and one is sensing the truth of that dadness. Okay, That's, that's, that's what we see here with the spirit. Okay, the Holy Spirit does that. Um, Now, I'm gonna speak to you. You are a highly educated person and you have rational ninja-like skills. Um, It is not enough for you just to know truth about your heavenly father. Um, You can rationally get him and never experience him. But both are described. My friend, Jimmy Hopper, um, he's just a well-read man and he, he, he gave this to me 10 years ago. Um, he, he, had, he had read it in a book. He was a big fan of this guy named Kenneth Clark. Kenneth Clark was um, uh, the, uh, the director of the National Gallery in um, the UK. And uh, he was sort of like this art critic, intellectual, um, kind of an intellectual critic, a thought guy. And um, he, he, he said this. Um, it's a longish quote. That's why I always put longish quotes up here. Um, He was not a Christian, and he never became a Christian to my knowledge. So he says this, he says, when I was living in a villa in France, there was a curious episode. I had a religious experience. It took place in the church of St. Lorenzo, but it did not seem to be connected with the beauty of the architecture. I can only say that for a few minutes, my whole being was radiated with a heavenly joy more intense than anything I had ever experienced before. But wonderful as it was, it caused an awkward problem in terms of action. My life was far from blameless. I would have to reform. My family would think I was going mad. And perhaps I thought it was delusion. For on moral terms, I was completely unworthy of such a flood of grace. So, gradually the effect wore off and I made no effort to retain it. I was too deeply embedded in the world to change course. I had felt the finger of God. I am quite sure. He goes on to say this, as he said, he has much more empathy now and understanding for the joy of the saints. All right. Here's this incredibly bright, intellectual, rational human being that had an experience. And I want you to see what the experience immediately led him to connect. I'm going to have to change. Um, And I might be perceived as crazy by my family, friends. Three. This This is the incredible one. He goes, I even second-guessed if I was delusional because why is there good given to someone who is filthy? Do you you see that? Uh, He he absolutely made the connection from experience to, okay, what is this gonna mean? Uh, This is my point. When the Holy Spirit comes close and experience, nothing will be left untouched. In other words, The Holy Spirit is going to affect every single area of your life. All right, so how does the experience change the way we use our our view and use our cash, property, investment, securities, stuff? Okay, so what happens on the heels of getting shook? Uh, This is from verse 34. Uh, There wasn't a needy person among them for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. Okay, Um, I I do have to put this here, just explanation for you guys, because a lot of people bug, not bug me, but but ask me, they're like, why don't don't we, like, if we're gonna be most acts-like, we should, you know, we can get, why wouldn't we build a compound, like out in the desert, you know, near Joshua Tree, or like, why wouldn't we do this? Okay, let me just tell you this, is um, it does not mean, um, it means this, the text tells us is that everyone viewed their stuff as like, I don't own it. That's, that's a very Christian perspective. It's like, Jesus owns all of my stuff and I am a steward, okay? But this is interesting, is they didn't give up all of their stuff to some central comi- committee and then they doled it out fairly. This wasn't like Christian communism, okay? What, what it does mean though, and this is what we see, is we see those that had luxurious extra. Like they had extra houses, extra properties. Those are the ones that said, I am gonna sell that or some and bring it to the church. Okay, so parentheses. Okay, so this is what I'm gonna say is when the Holy Spirit comes close, what we see is a radical generosity. Um, And then that gets approval with not just the community, but it gets approval from the city who wasn't really buying or believing what their message was. Uh, this is the incredible thing. What was happening in the early church with this radical generosity where nobody had needs is that it was actually breaking the caste system. Aristotle said this, and this is in the Greco-Roman world. Aristotle said this, is you can never really be friends with someone outside your social circles, like your, you know, your, your, your income bracket. That's kind of not possible. So the Greco-Romans totally bought it. They totally bought it. And this is what we see, is um, for the first time we see the wealthy and the poor co-mingling and sacrificing and knowing each other in a relationship and that it, it broke it broke the rules of the city and the caste system but it was also attractive they're like whoa that's incredible all right so experiencing God through his spirit it touches our money and stuff all right that's the spirit and the money but what about the power What's the power? SMP, spirit, money, power. Um, What's the power? It says this, much grace was upon them all. This is from verse 33. Yeah, and with, with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Great grace was upon them all. So salvation and the approval and joy of God, regardless of filth or fame, Uh, It's a total free gift. I I think we understand um, free gift with purchase, which is not a free gift. But this is a total free gift. Now, let's just look really briefly what happened to the wealthy and what happened to the poor. Um, So uh, for the wealthy and the well-off, you know what's amazing is that they became spiritually poor like in the Sermon on the Mount? Uh, Some of you guys may know people like this. I'm thinking of a guy I know, not not in this community, so don't worry about it, but like, uh, he had a, he, he had an amazing run with some certain investments. And It exploded beyond anybody's imaginations and his own. And uh, It was interesting how he changed post that. This is what I mean by that is, if you've run into a person who is successful at this one thing, it almost gives them an automatic right to be super opinionated on all of the things, (laughs) even though they're not an expert, all right? Um, But but this is the amazing thing is he knew that his money got him into groups and rooms and situations, and he knew it. He knew it. Like, that gets me somewhere. And we just call that pride. Like, you owe me your attention because I am rich. And this is what happened to the wealthy people is they they saw for the first time their spiritual poverty and they were like, oh, I am no different from the trader, the tax collector trader. I'm no different from the prostitute. I, I'm no, I need, I need the graciousness of God and I cannot use my money as some weird foil. So that's what happened to the, the wealthy. What happened to the poor? What happened to the poor? Um, I, I've, I've written about this before, but I don't think I've, I've, I've used this one, but uh, I was talking to a FedEx guy one time, and um, I was asking about like, hey, um, what are some of the things you're delivering? Like you're seeing a lot, and he goes, oh, let me tell you, let me tell you. He said, it just, it, just, it makes me so mad. He said, I'll come up to a trailer, a trailer park, and the windows will be broken, and, and the kids have no shoes in the yard, and, and he goes, and I'm dropping off a couple thousand dollar rims and Jordans. I don't get it, man. I don't get it. And boom, you know, and he was off. Um, it, it's really interesting. Um, Miroslav Volf, you know some of you, he was at Fuller before he went to Yale Divinity School a Croatian guy, and he was touring the, 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 the bad parts of Baltimore with a friend of his, and um, the friend of his said this, he said, justification is the only thing that these streets truly need to use. And Miroslav was like, wow, that's interesting, that's a funny connection, like, that's, it seems like this dusty doctrine, like, oh, grace alone. And you don't justify yourself by anything you bring. And it has something to say to the worst parts of the streets. And so his friend goes on to tell him and he says, no, no, no. What I see on the streets is this. The ironclad law of achievement. That is this. Is the game that the wealthy have won is so. still oppressing those in the streets and they say you need the rims and you need the Jordans and you need the Chanel and you need the Dolce you need all of that to win at this game and guess what you're never gonna win it because it'll press you down and Miroslav Volf says this it's great little lecture he says and the poor hear this you don't have to play that game to be celebrated, to have dignity, worth, value, respect. You can walk into any room and say, "I am a child of God." And then he says, "A dusty doctrine, hardly." That's what happened to the poor. That's what happened to the poor. Um, there's one more powerful thing happening here, and we can we can. Do it pretty quickly. Um, it's it's in verse thirty one. Um, because the question is like, how could they? How could you really give stuff away? That's a gargantuan event for anybody. Um, here it is. They were filled with boldness. This is in verse thirty one. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was sh- shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. With boldness. Now. I don't think we're not generous because, um, I, yeah, I don't think we're not generous because I think we're like stingy scrooges, right, and we just don't like to give things, and we don't like to share nice things with people. I don't think it's a stinginess thing. I don't think stinginess is the cancer. And Will really did a great job of setting this up. I don't think we're stingy, I think we're afraid and scared. I think I'm scared that I'm gonna need a giant pile of money as a net, as a backup, as a security, as a status, as some sort of weird legacy. We're afraid that we're not gonna be okay, we're afraid we're scared that we're not gonna be seen as someone worthwhile. We're scared that the absence of money is, defi- is going to define us just as much as the presence of money. Let me tie this up for you. This is awesome, by the way. This is so good, because you're like, oh man, he is really like talking about like cash and possessions. If you knew If you were convinced, if you had tasted and sensed and experienced his love, let me just tell you something, you wouldn't be scared, and neither would I. That's why you're never going to hear me lecture you on, I think you should probably give a little bit more. You're not going to hear that noise from me, and it Mm -hmm. is noise. You know what you're gonna hear from me? That's not the problem. You need to experience the love of God in a sensed way over and over and over again. And you need to sense it and experience it and taste it over and over and over again until, until, until you're not scared. Only then will you ever be generous. Let's pray into that. Jesus, um, uh, you are generous. In a small way now, um, would you let us experience your special, special presence now? And Jesus, we ask, would you give us continuing sweet moments of experiencing your special presence the longer we live? In Jesus' name, amen.